0: Welcome to the Distressed Pro Professional Podcast Series, where we bring you actionable information from real professionals on the front lines of today's real estate investing and mortgage note market. Hey, I'm Brett Palumbo, and this is Gino Barbaro, and you're listening to the Distressed Pro Professional Podcast Series, where we talk to real people who are out there in the field doing deals and making it happen. And today, very happy to have Gino Barbaro on here. He's uh, got jakeandgino.com. And um, what is the, is it, uh, I've spaced the name of your uh, investment company. I know you've got a uh, an, another domain there. What's
1: we the are Rand it? Partners.
0: Rand Partners. Um, and you've been investing in multifamilies mm-hmm. um, for the most part for, it sounds like the last nine or 10 years. And they have got, over a hundred million dollars in that time, uh, in assets under management. If I got the the twenty five word <laughs> elevator. <laughs> correct?
1: You're missing the most important part of my life, which is that I have six children. Wow. And we homeschool. From my oh, daughter yeah. just grad, she just graduated college. She's a twenty one year old. She's going doing missionary work for this year. So. I did good. She's okay. Um, My son is 18. He's going to be a sophomore and all the way down to seven years old. And I I think that for me, is probably the coolest thing about my life. I have an amazing, amazing wife, but for us, Jake and I, we met back in 2009. I had a restaurant and I was what we would call an entrepreneur that created a job. I had one restaurant for over 20 years and I loved it. I worked with my dad since I was eight, eight years old. Man, going to the restaurant every day. I thought everyone went to work with their dad. It was just yeah. the coolest thing in the world. And I actually opened up the restaurant with him after I graduated college. He passed away in 2007, and that was my turning point. Then the Great Recession comes in 2008, and I'm just working my butt off. And I'm like, something doesn't feel good. You know, I, I check yeah. my values. I'm like, is this my dream? Is this his dream? And I meet Jake in 2009 because he's a pharmaceutical rep. He's doing drug. He's doing uh, catering orders out of the restaurant for the doctors. And he moves down to Knoxville in 2011. You know, I get to stay in touch with him. I love his work ethic. I love who he is. He's a really hard worker, really dedicated. He moves down to Knoxville in 2011. And we start looking at deals. It takes us 18 months to find that first deal in 2013. Fast forward to today, you know, that that 1,500 units plus is we're not syndicated. We have two syndicated deals for Jake and I. We, we own the majority of our assets. We've been able to refinance and roll our proceeds into the next deal. So a 1,000 of those units is just me, Jake, and another partner. And syndication has been a great tool for us to utilize uh, as far as trying to scale up. It's just that multifamily is an amazing business because there's so many different ways to get into it. The big catchphrase today, Brecht, is syndication, syndication. But for those little mom and pop operators out there like Jake and I, when we started, it was great. Buying a 30 unit, 50 unit, 70 unit, you can scale up, you can buy for yourself, you can JV, you can syndicate. There's so many different ways to get into multifamily.
0: So when you first started with that, uh, you know, a, a lot of the folks that I talk to, and the folks who are a lot of the folks who are about two thirds or more of the folks who are our listeners have some kind of uh, business or career or profession, and they are looking to move on mm-hmm. from that. What talk a little bit about how you go from from you know a to b uh, like that did you did you liquidate the restaurant or just let us in on on how that all went
1: that's a tough one right there because it's you don't go from a to b you go from a to a1 to a3 to a5 <laughs> sure. i wish yeah. it was linear it's just not for me the first thing i needed to do is what is my why i'm I, I don't want to call it a midlife mm. crisis but i'm in my mid 30s I'm doing something that I don't really like too much. I'm coming home. I'm working hard. My kids are seeing me that I'm just tired. I'm grumpy. And I don't want them to equate hard work with not liking their job. And it feels as as if I'm not being the role model. And I'm like, I have to find something else. I'm trading time for dollars. That's when you get into your 30s. You're like, uh uh-oh. Totally. People have been telling me this. And the difference between rich people and poor people is rich people value their time a lot more than poor people do. And at that point, that's when I realized it. And the other one is, was my money working hard for me? or was I working hard for my money? And, and mm-hmm. that one really stung me also. And for everybody listening to this, I was there and it was a reality check. I read the book by you know, T. Harv or Secrets of a Millionaire Mind, And I took that personally. And that's what happens when you're in that, in that rut. You're every, you take everything personally, but step back. People see the world as they are. Yeah. Not as it is. Mr. Stephen Covey, genius. And when I realized that, I'm like, it's not T. Harv's words that are hitting me. It's me. My, my responsibility, my, all of my actions that I led me up to my 38 years of my life are mine. Yeah. What do I need to do? So I started to get educated. I got into mentorships. I started listening to all the, all the experts out there, Zig Ziglar, Napoleon Hill, Tony Robbins, Norman Vincent Peale, Jim Rome. I was just inundated with that. And I needed that at that point in my life got into the coaching and then I started buying the assets and I started the coaching and the mentorship really, really helped me out because I didn't know what I didn't know. I wanted to be an investor, but how do you become an investor when all you know how to do is make pizza and you're in that realm? I needed to actually level up my peer group. Which is what I did with the mentorship and with, with joining other groups and then eventually creating Jake and Gino. That's what it is. It's a peer group where people are out there. They're not judging you. They want to be like you. They want to yeah. be surrounded by other people who are making it happen. And for me, going from the restaurant, it was always okay, multifamily is great, Breck, because I can buy a 10 unit property, do one closing, have a little bit of economies of scale, and I can still do my job full time. And yeah. we did that for a couple of years. And then it came to the point of when do I burn the ships? And at me, it was year three that I was with Jake in 2016 in March. I remember, and this is a tip for everybody. It's October, 2015. And I'm like, I'm almost there. I almost have enough money. I've got six kids. I live in New York. I've got a big nut there. I need X amount of money per month. And I'm almost there. And I go to my brother and I say, Mark, I'm going to quit the restaurant Monday through Friday. I'm working real estate full-time Monday through Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll work at the restaurant. Wife's not too happy. Kids aren't too happy. I did it for six months because I really needed to, to have that proof of concept. I wanted to know that I could do this real estate full time. March of 2016, I said, you know what? I've got around enough what I need, maybe a little bit less. And I took the plunge. And for everybody out there, just do the Ben Franklin model. What are the pros and what are the cons? The pros are, man i can live a life of abundance i can create an amazing life i can have a, a lifestyle that's created by my business instead of the other way around the real one con was if i fail what happens At the end of the world i can just go back and open up another restaurant or my brother will right. take me back but we don't think that way because the fear you know overtakes us and i think fear is a powerful emotion and when you have fear it causes inaction. What I ended up doing was I went from that fear stage to the anger stage back in 08 and 09. And when I got really angry, the solutions aren't there when you're angry because you wanna raise your level of energy even more. Now I'm trained as a life coach. When you're in that anger stages, we seem to be in the United States, there's no solutions coming out. When you can, anger will let you take you know some type of action, but then you have to start becoming logical and remove some of those emotions and start raising your level of energy. And that's what I did with Jake getting a partner, having that accountability. It gave me the ability to start thinking clearly and being able to go to somebody else. And when we got on those calls in the early on, even today, I've been on phone with Jake three times. It's energizing. We've had a tough week. As I told you, we've lost a couple of deals. And he's yeah. like, and I said to him today, I said, Jake, I'm, I feel off this week. And he's like, dude, I feel the same way. I know how you feel. So it's like having that, that support group. And with him, doing the podcast every week, getting on these calls every week. It's really helped me leave the restaurant and actually go into a, go into the restaurant, go into real estate full-time. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. It's interesting to me that you go right to that. And I find often when I talk to folks who've done something big, like you have, that they've had the same experience where they, um, they first had to get their heads right. And they talk about the why. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, when you talk to somebody who they're, Kind of way at the beginning, you know, they want to know like the how and the little, you know, the, the mechanics of it. And it's like, yeah, get that. Like yes. You haven't, you're not even, you know, you're not even there yet. Like think mm-hmm. about that after you get enough, you know, gumption and, and need mm-hmm. to, uh, to move on. I was about the same thing. It's about three years, um, same thing, had to burn the boats and all that. Um, and, uh, and it's striking how often I hear, uh, that same kind of sentiment, um, from, from, fo- from folks who have actually done it. Um, and I'd encourage anyone, if you're thinking, oh no, it's really, you know, um, it's really the nuts and bolts that you got to get down first that comes with doing deals, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: And people ask it the, it's always about asking yourself the right questions. You know, when, when people get into the, into the community, into the academy, Everyone in multifamily, their first thing is, I need to find deals. You don't need to find deals. You need to pull back and learn the business. We teach buy right, manage right, and finance right for a reason, because it's not just about finding deals. you can be a great deal finder, but how are you going to finance that deal? And how are you going to manage that deal? And have you selected a market? you know how to underwrite the deals? I mean, yeah. there's so many other components to it. We get overwhelmed and we have that get thereitis, And that's the problem. People don't plan things out. They've lived a crappy life for 50 years. And then all of a sudden, they want a complete change. And sure. you can't do that. You have to really map yourself out and you know, have that vivid vision, vivid vision moment, as Cameron Held says. What's it going to look like the next five years? And like you said, it doesn't take a long time. It's three to five years. Think about that time period in your life. It goes like that but you yeah. need to be intentional. You need to sort of shut off the social media. You need to really focus on what you're doing. And a lot of people have done that through, through COVID. I'm sure a lot of people have just gotten fed up with what's going on and they focus on their business. And I'm sure there's a bunch of millionaires that have been created over the last year just because of what we're talking about.
0: Oh, sure. So talk a little bit about when um, when you, you finally, you decide, all right, that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. Um, what did what did that first getting going uh, look like for you? With you know, well, how did you decide on that market down there, and uh, just kind of flesh that out a little bit for us.
1: First thing I would tell everybody: you need to convince if you're married your significant other. And and sure. I had I had a convincing plan with that. I told my wife I want to be financially free, and for her august 30th 1998 that was her financial freedom she married me she didn't have to worry another day about the bills but i i said think bigger i said it's not just about money wouldn't it be great to get your mom on a plane and to fly down and pay for a vacation wouldn't it be great sure. to donate to the friars in harlem so i had to paint that picture for her so once she figured that she's like oh okay and then she saw the pain of me going to the restaurant those two things really solidified her being part of my team. And not that she cares about real estate, she could care less about a cap rate, but at least having her in my corner made me feel great. She supported me because there's a lot of nights that you're working late. There's a lot of weekends that you're going to events. There's a lot of investor calls you're doing. There's a lot of podcasts you need to do. And you can't get that stink eye. You know, every now and again, you get the stink eye, but she's got to know why you're doing this. She has to understand it. So for me, that's important. As far as getting going, it was exciting. I mean, when you hear people telling you, You know, life isn't all about work, because I would go to the restaurant, I'd homeschool in the morning, I'd go to work at 10, I'd work till two o'clock at lunchtime, I'd take my lunch break, sit down and do work. And I'd have people walking by me going, do you never stop working? And I'm like, this is not work. This is fun. So when you hear people saying that to you, you know, you're on the right path, I would go home. Late at night, and then we would be doing calls or whatever that would look like, and I did that for a good solid two or three years trying to start the podcast. We wrote a book in the meanwhile, calling investors. It was very hard, and you know we have this instant gratification. People are texting you, and you you're you're working on the on the kitchen line, and you can't get to the phone, and they want that. That's very very hard. So getting home and responding to people right away was one of my things. Just that's one of those. Robert Cialdini is being committed and consistent. Once you commit to something, you need to be consistent. And that's one of my values. And when I don't do that, I felt really bad. But in the beginning, it was really that 18 months finding that first deal was hard for us. It wasn't an easy thing because we had no credibility. We didn't know anybody in the market. And you know, Jake was a salesperson who viewed brokers as, oh, they've got to bring me the deals. You know, he's Mr. China and Mr. Mister Bull, Bull in the China shop, which was not a good way to deal with brokers. Yeah. But he finally realized hey, the whole they are the gatekeepers. We have to treat them. And we got fortunate. We found a great broker early on. He trusted us, he confided in us, he found us a couple of deals. And from there, you find your first deal. And then all of a sudden, things start changing. You start getting the credibility, you start building that team, you start meeting other investors in the market, you start meeting other brokers, and then deals just start coming to you naturally it's one of those things where you put in the work and you say hey, i got lucky it fell in my lap nothing falls in your lap and nothing is lucky it's intentional it's a lot of the hard work that you put into it that ends up being called luck
0: yeah for sure you know i think it's you talked about uh the, the working all the time and the kids and we also homeschooled for uh we're not right now but we did for a number of years and mm-hmm. that's got its own challenges and, and rewards as, as you know better than me um, <laughs> But, uh, but it is interesting, you know, now we, you know, the kids see that I've, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of time, you know, that I can choose to do, you know, whatever I want with and we don't, you know, we're not suffering through a lot of things, but there was a time when it's just like you're talking about, I mean, i Driving around doing auctions, I'd do a thousand miles a week. You know, I'd be out there seven a.m., seven p.m. Come home, eat something quick, work till three a.m., get up, and mm-hmm. do it again, and then work all weekend long. Um, and uh, and I wonder how you you know. So you are coming up on what is it? 2013. So you're nine years in or something mm-hmm. something like that. How mm-hmm. do you keep your? This is totally off. This is totally off the real estate track. But if you have kids, if anybody else has kids, maybe they'd be interested to hear about it. But um, one of the things that I find <laughs> that I find more challenging is as like successes come and I have, you know, uh, how do you keep it real for the children? You know what I mean? Make sure that they still have some responsibility and some, you know, some idea of like a work ethic and, and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that dad actually did work, you know, 90 hours a week so that we can have this now and you're going to have to go bust your ass probably mm-hmm. you know to to get established as well i don't know if you know this is a tangent but talk a little bit about that if you have any
1: well what you're trying to say is you don't want your kids to be soft you, you don't want, want them yeah, to be yeah and it, yeah. It's, it's it's a difficult thing because at one point my, my son is 18 years old i have a 2014 porsche cayenne and he's driving that Yeah. Tomorrow he could drive a Toyota because he doesn't care. So we're not really not into the material things. You know, we're practicing, we're practicing Catholics. So for me, money is not, is not the end all be all. It's great. It's comfortable. You know, Mm -hmm. we always talk about giving back. We're very, you know, we're very fortunate to be able to donate. But for me and for him, he's working with the company. He's worked with me since he was eight or nine years old. They all have at the restaurant and now they're working for Jake and Gino. So they're inundated in the culture. That's great. And, and I want them to be part of the culture. My wife and I, we do a podcast. So we work together as well. My kids, we have a boot camp this weekend for the students. They're all going to be there. They're going to be selling swag. I want them to see that. And, and to me, I want my kids to do what they love to do. I don't want them to force them into any endeavor. I don't want them to go into real estate if they don't want to. My son, like I said, I want him to learn financial statements. I want him to learn budgeting. I want him to invest in real estate. He's seen the power. He's invested in a couple of our deals. So he's like, we refied this. I've got how much in the bank now? So he's, I'm training his mind. Yeah. And that's the most important thing to be able to train their mind and to be able to see opportunity. And I don't want him to be trading time for dollars. I want them to really be doing stuff that's impactful. Like I said, my daughter, she's, she's a missionary. She's going to be working at camp for this next year, for the next 12 months. After that, I want her to get a job, but that that's what she's been called to. I'm hoping one day she gets married. She has a bunch of kids too, but that, those are their decisions. And it, it's really hard. To, to, to say, I've got all this money and life can be great, but at the same time, I want them to know the value of the dollar. I want them to know that hard work ethic. And you know, there's a book out there that I think everyone should read. It's called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I challenge all the parents out there, don't have that, your kids have that fixed mindset. Your kids may be really smart, really intelligent, really good at something. Don't only say that about them because then what happens is when they come up front a challenge, and they have a fixed mindset like John McEnroe all of a sudden it's not my fault they quit if you have the growth mindset you teach your kids you know what with hard work with effort things will come and if you don't win on the first try you just keep working at it and we're all here to learn and to get better and that growth mindset is just a game changer for me because if it wasn't for that growth mindset I probably after 18 months I probably would have quit after four or five brokers slamming the phone quit so for all the parents out there trying to teach their kids if your child came in fourth place it's okay. The person who won first place deserved it. They work hard. If you want your child to win fourth, first place, tell them you did great. I'm not saying to criticize them. You did great, but somebody better than you. They worked really hard at it. They didn't get lucky. They're not smarter. We're not endowed with these gifts. It really comes down to be having and putting in the time to get to that level. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It's great advice. And hopefully people Take that and carry through to adulthood. It's not <laughs> hard, hard work's not just for kids. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so talk. So you you've mentioned. Sounds like you've got a couple of different podcasts and a lot of different you know a lot of uh, different things going on. And you talked just a little bit. You know, I, I visited your site and, and you and I have chatted a little bit here about um, the buying right, financing right, managing right. What is that? What is that? that That sounds like a framework to me or a system Mm -hmm. that you have is that. And you've mentioned, uh, I don't know too much about your offerings, but you've mentioned something about a a course or an academy. What does that, um, what's that all look like? And what are people learning or doing in there? And what do you, what do you tell us about that?
1: So I started Jake and Gino back in 2015 with Jake, when I was about to leave the restaurant, I was fortunate. Like I said, that I had enough capital to retire and I thought I'm coming down to Florida. I'm gonna retire with the cash flow. I get down here. I'm like, what am I gonna do? I'm so bored. After like a week, I was like, I, let's start the podcast, Jake. So we started yeah. the podcast, and we started we started the Jake and Gino community. And I just started micro courses, started selling, and then in 2018, we got a salesperson on the team. His name is Josh, and that revolutionized everything. All of a sudden, we had offerings, we had real products. And for us, I just wanted to create a community, open source students come in they learn our framework which we call the buy right the manage right and the finance right and it really it's it just puts students together and once you're at you know at these boot camps and you're at these trainings it's so much fun to see people you know change their lives we've had over 50 students you know, quit their W-2s. We've had students close over 18,000 units, over a billion dollars in deals transacted since we started doing this. And it's just a snowball effect because now once students have been in two or three years, they see their own framework. And it really, I want to teach people. My biggest thing with, with the multifamily is I want people not to do bad deals. My motto is, no deal is better than a bad deal. So even if you don't ever buy a multifamily, I don't want you to buy the wrong one because I bought the wrong one back in 06, 10 years, it was painful for 10 years. Every time that property manager called, I saw the phone and the time suck and the money suck. I want people to avoid that. So that's what we teach. We teach principles such as the three pillars of real estate, the market cycle, the debt, the exit strategy, when to buy these deals, what type of deals to buy look within, what is your investing criteria? Most people are investing in stuff. They don't even ask themselves, what are their goals? So all of this stuff, we work on your personal development. We work on what you're looking for. If you're, let's say a full-time dentist and you want to get into multifamily, well, should you be doing it by yourself? Or maybe should you be general partnering with somebody or even investing passively? All these questions need to be answered, but we try to teach the business. And then from there really comes down to what are your goals? What are you looking to do in multifamily?
0: Yeah. How did you finance your first deal?
1: Great question. Six hundred thousand dollars, twenty-five units. We had an eighty percent bank loan, ten percent owner financing, and we put ten percent down. Like I said, we found an amazing, wow, we found an amazing broker. And back then, seller financing was prevalent, and we were just talking about this before the recording. I think the debt markets are going to slow things down. I think if they don't. I'm surprised they haven't already because you know Freddie and Fanny had all those reserves. I thought that would have slowed it down a little. So one of our coaches wrote a book called Creative Cash on Seller Financing. Jake, myself, and our coach Bill, we've done over $20 million in seller finance deals. And I thought the strategy would be more prevalent during you know the pandemic. Everyone said that no one's gonna stop paying rents and I, but it didn't happen. So for us, our first deal was seller financing and those small mom and pops. It's an amazing strategy. I think everyone should take a look at master lease options and seller financing because one of the big challenges and objections that people have when they get into multifamily is, where do I find the money on that first deal I mean $83,000 was the down payment on a $600,000 asset totally changed our lives amazing with closing costs and everything so you can get into this but you need to learn all of the tips and all the strategies because it'll it'll open you up to more deals the more ways to get into a deal the more deals you can underwrite the more possibility or probability that you'll close on a deal
0: yeah so what's your ultimate goal with this? You're just going to continue to uh, to amass uh, units? Have you got an exit strategy out there uh, somewhere? That's a
1: great question. I, you know, I don't have an exit strategy. We're just considering what our, our net worth has gone to. We're trying to plan for our states for how we pass these assets over to our kids, because I don't want to have a fire sale. I don't want to be not here one day and then my kids go... I don't want this multifamily thing. So we're already putting things in trusts and all we are thinking about it. We've created a company that, you know, it's called a hundred year mindset, the hundred year real estate investor, where we're selling whole life insurance. And what I love about whole life is basically state tax. You have the death benefit on there. You have the living benefit. We, we, We call it the dual asset strategy. You're investing in whole life. You're creating one asset. You're borrowing out of that asset to buy the multifamily. When the multifamily pays off, you pay the loan back. And all of a sudden you have these two assets and it's a living benefit and a death benefit. Now the drawback like everything else in life, you need to have a long time horizon. But if you don't, you're not going to be successful. If you have that shiny object syndrome, where one day you're chasing crypto, the next day you're chasing single family, the next day you're changing, chasing REOs. And that's where I see people that are truly successful. They really learn something well. Like You've had your business since 2009. You've grown that. You've learned that business. You've understood that industry. Now it may be time to do something else, but you didn't go chase something else after you started something and, and did it. And that's the problem with, I think, with a lot of entrepreneurs, we were ADD. We, we, we figure something out, then we get bored right away, and we move on to the next thing. I challenge everybody learn something really well, master it, get really good at it, and the passion will come from that. I love multifamily because I can understand it now. It makes sense to me. There may not be as many deals, but it, it's, you know, Jake always says he wanted to be a fitness instructor when he got out of college. He loved fitness well how did that work out he freaking hated it after six months because nobody wanted to go work out he was telling people right. it's like these people are going to tell them so don't fall in love with the thing that you think you're passionate about i loved food after a while it drove me nuts and i didn't like it but with this whole business building this whole entrepreneurial venture the whole idea that you can help others that's turned into a passion so for me the long game is just to continue to do it as long as i can
0: well, that's a good game, and you don't hear that very often. You know, a lot of times there's something, something, some other side, you know, mm. of things that that uh, folks are looking to get to. I guess what I do want to touch on because, and we're already running a little bit longer than uh, than I'd planned, but I just want to touch on a little bit. You talked about deals being hard right now, and you know, when I'm looking in at our data, I'm seeing that like a lot of lenders are selling loans. There's definitely multifamily is. It's at least uh, distressed, like defaulted loans and multifamilies up 50% over you know, 18 months ago, and so there's definitely some. We've had all this the the um, uh, the eviction moratorium, you know. Mm-hmm. We've had you know a lot of folks out of work, especially renters. Um, and so, what's happening now, and what do you see over the next? 12 to 24, I'm w- not asking for a crystal ball, I know. I was just gonna say really it's ra-
1: <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, right. if we had this conversation 18 months ago, I would have said to you that debt market's are gonna seize up a little bit, rates yeah. are gonna go a little higher, yeah. but did anyone foresee $4 trillion of printing? It really depends upon the external forces of what happens yeah. outside. The thing that with the multifamily where you're seeing a lot of these defaults is in these areas like California, New York, yeah. where they're underperforming, there's a lot of delinquency. You know, where we are, in Tennessee. I live in Florida. I mean, the building here is just just—it's out of control. Everyone's moving here. There's so much capital flowing to these markets. There's yeah. jobs that are still being created. Rents have been rising because there's so much demand. I've never had a time in my history, I don't know about you, where you look around, you have high inflation, you have 0% interest rates, you have you're coming out of a recession. There's so much demand, but there's yeah. no supply. So yeah. everything is like so inverted. I don't know what happens when the demand and the supply converge. We may go into a serious recession because then you may have oversupply because people have just gone out with the demand. It really depends upon what the government does with printing. I just think over the long term, multifamily is a basic human need. It's food, yep. clothing and apartments. That's number yep. one. Number two, it's a hard asset. So we have inflation. It's going to continue to rise. It's just going it, to where is the point where investors returns and 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 this makes sense. Is multifamily not going to be an asset where you cash flow anymore, where you just have capital appreciation, or investors are going to be willing to do that? Because that's not investing to me. That's more speculating. I'm buying something at a buck and hope I can sell it at a buck 50, and I'm not making any kind of a yield. That's sure. not an investment to me. I'm sorry. That, that to me is a speculative play. And is that where multifamily is heading to? I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. The other the caveat with multifamily are the tax benefits going to continue. Tax benefits are tremendous in this space, and that's what's actually elevated it. And I guess, Breck, another thing where's money going to flow to? If all of a sudden something else comes on the horizon, where whether it's a commodity or people are going to go crazy with gold or really crypto all of a sudden, it, that may take some of the flow out of multifamily. But I don't think so because it's a hard asset. There's a lot of tax benefits, it's a basic human need. There's so many. Benefits and positives to it. That's why cap rates have been, you know, they've been compressing for the last several years. I still think it's going to happen. Deals will be harder to come by. I think, Brecht, and we. the answer ultimately to the question is these smaller units, these smaller deals, 20, 30, 40, 50 units, the ones where these, you know, private equity companies, they don't want to deal with the management on these smaller ones. They want these two, 300 unit properties where there's scale, scalability. If they can figure out the remote leasing, if they can figure out the technology where they can take and do remote, all this type of remote uh, property management, then that may make sense to them. But right now, I don't think it makes sense to them to get into that part of the space.
0: Mm. Even as they're buying up thousands or tens of thousands of single families and stuff.
1: Yes. And, and that's funny. That's a hard business model, but what they're doing is they've got cheap money. They don't have to cash flow on those. What they're doing is that they're buying it. They'll hold on it for three years and they've got to yield and they'll have the property management companies out there. They're very hard to manage. I don't know how they make, they don't make money on the management because by the time you have the thousand dollar rent and that renter gets out, you've got to put two grand in the back in CapEx and the hot water heater is located somewhere else. Those are very hard, but when you have scale and your cost of capital is so cheap to buy these properties, you mm-hmm. buy them at a decent number, and three years from now they're up thirty percent, and you can liquidate them. That's where that's where their play is, and they have to they have to place the capital. That's what they have to do. So right. that's what they're doing.
0: One and one and a half percent interest is my understanding, like BlackRock and those yeah. things right now is what they're paying. So it's yes. very inexpensive. Hard mm-hmm. to compete
1: with that. You cannot. Very difficult. I agree.
0: Yeah. yeah. Gino, it's been awesome having you on here. I love your energy and the story. And if you're listening to this and you're all thinking about multifamily uh, or even just think about real estate, it sounds like go over to jakeandgino.com and uh, listen to the podcast, subscribe over there. It sounds like you could really get your head right uh, listening to Gino here. And it's just, it's been fantastic having you on here. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me on, I, I appreciate it. And I'm glad you had a nice vacation. I hope I made the ending of the vacation at least a little palpable as I like to say. Just thanks for having coming, me
0: on. Coming off of you know that that much time off, it was uh, refreshing to be able to talk to you here. So I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Yeah. All right, thanks Gino. Hey, this is Brett Colombo, founder of distresspro.com. Are you ready to take your real estate or note business to the next level? We'll show you how to start sourcing discounted and distressed off-market deals direct from institutional sellers. Visit GoBankDirect.com today and learn how to take control of your deal flow and profit in any market. Go now to GoBankDirect.com.